This first reading is one of the most popular first readings uh, for a lot of the weddings that I officiate at as a priest, and I know it was the first reading for probably a number of you uh, married couples here at your own wedding. Uh, it's a beautiful reading that speaks to the origin of marriage, the origin of marriage and husband and wife, the creation of Eve. It's a very deep reading, actually. There's a lot to it. You've got to read into it a lot. Uh, it's, it's one of the reasons why it's one of my favorites. This reading begins with Adam in the garden. And for Adam, you know, life is good. It's, it's not doing too bad. God allows him to name all the animals, all the creatures. He gives them all of these other creatures uh, to have with him in the garden so that he is not lonely or that, he doesn't, that he's not there in complete and utter you know, solitude or singularity. But there's something missing. Even though he has all these creatures around him, Adam is alone. He is alone. How is this possible? He had all of these creatures. He even had God to talk with. So how is Adam alone? Well, Adam doesn't really explain it here, and it's kind of a hard thing if you were the only man in the universe to explain why it is that you feel alone. He doesn't really say what's eating at him. But God knows. God knows Adam better than he knows himself. God knows what's eating at his heart. God knows why he is alone. God knows this because we know that God is Trinity, right? Three persons, one God. Those three persons of the Trinity exist in relation to each other, of giving and receiving. There's a communion, a relationship within God, we can say. And since Adam was created in the image and likeness of God, he was created for communion. He was created for relationship. And he didn't have it in the garden at that time. He couldn't enter into relationship. He couldn't enter into communion with any other creature that was there. He knew that it just wasn't possible. So he was alone because he did not have relationship. He did not have communion. And it is because of this that God creates woman. He creates Eve from Adam's rib. And that is why Adam in joy exclaims, this one at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. Adam finally sees Eve. He sees what he has been longing for. He sees the potential for relationship. He sees the potential for communion. He sees the potential for love. Eve was the only creature that Adam could truly say, I love you. We can say that about our dogs or our pets, but we know it doesn't mean the same as if we say it to another person. Because there's a potential for a real relationship there. The potential for real communion. Adam wanted someone like himself, but different from himself. He wanted communion, a real, authentic communion of persons. Adam wanted to be able to give of himself, and he also wanted to receive another in equal measure. And he wanted someone who would give of herself so that he could receive in equal measure as well. That was not possible with any other creature in the garden that Adam had with him in that moment. 
And that was why he was alone. It's in seeing Eve that he realizes what he's been looking for all along, what he's been longing for. In fact, he sees his fulfillment, his purpose in life when he sees Eve for the very first time. He sees the purpose of life as living in communion, giving of our whole selves and receiving another in return. And hearing this today, it's, it's beautiful if you think about it. It's why we're all here to live in communion. It's the most beautiful thing in the world. It's why we're here. It's why God made us. It is who we are, brothers and sisters. We are ordered toward communion. That is our goal, and that is our fulfillment as human beings. And so we fast forward to the gospel, and we see that unfortunately the people at that time had forgotten some of these very, very beautiful truths. They had forgotten God's plan. They had forgotten who they were. And so they had abandoned God's plan for who they are, for love, and for communion. And Jesus had to deal with this in the gospel. As we hear, the Israelites had allowed divorce and remarriage at the time. Uh, and so the Pharisees asked Jesus to sort of test him. Is it okay for a husband to divorce his wife for any cause whatsoever? And he replies, because of the hardness of your hearts, God gave you this commandment. What's Jesus getting at here? Well, essentially, he is saying that God made a concession for the people at that time in the Old Testament. That because of their sinfulness, because of their imperfection, they were also living under the old covenant. They weren't ready yet for what marriage ought to be. They couldn't live it out. So God made a, you could say, a temporary concession for the people at that time. But Jesus noticed, he says this, but in the beginning it was not so. Before Adam and Eve would fall, they had this beautiful union of marriage that we hear about in our first reading. That was the ideal. That was what our Lord wanted for his people. And unfortunately, they were not ready to fully grasp and take on for themselves. Christ is trying to get the people to realize once again who they are, what they were made for. They had forgotten about it up until then. He wanted them to rediscover the beauty of who they are and what marriage and love were all about. There was this confusion at the time. They didn't know it. They didn't see the beauty of marriage and communion. And so they were confused about what marriage meant and whether or not it was for life. So Christ is telling them essentially that in the new covenants that I will institute, we're going to go back to God's original plan for marriage. We're going to have it be like it was in the beginning before the fall when Adam and Eve were there in the garden and they saw each other and they knew who they were and what they were made for. Marriage is about an authentic communion of persons. And that would be what our Lord would make the sacrament of marriage all about, that he would institute. Christ gave marriage its fullest and greatest meaning in the new covenants. But I think we honestly have to look at ourselves today and see that we have kind of fallen back on that ideal that Christ has set for us. In many ways, I think we're in the same situation that Christ faced in the gospel. Because as a society, collectively, I would say, we have forgotten who we are. We don't know what we are made for. We don't know what our fulfillment is. We don't know who we are in relation to others. And when we have confusion about who we are, all kinds of things 
fall apart. We see this so often in our world. We get confusion over what marriage is, and so we see divorce on the rise and confusion over the definition of marriage itself. We've forgotten the purpose of love as real communion. So we have contraception, sterilization, and pornography everywhere. And we've forgotten who we are and how God created us. And so we see the tragic confusion about what our world believes gender is, too. And all of these are real issues, brothers and sisters, and I know they affect a number of us here. Heck, they affect me and my own family, too. None of us is immune or isolated from human imperfection. And each one of us, each and every one of us, is imperfect. So it's not surprising that there are going to be ways that we fall short of Christ's ideal for love and what we're made for. It's inevitable because of our sinfulness. But I don't think that's a reason to abandon those ideas wholesale, brothers and sisters. Christ did not do that in his day. He saw the imperfection of the people around him, that they had forgotten who they were, but he didn't say, I'll just throw it out, it's not worth it, let's just get rid of the standards, no. He challenged the people around him to live radical lives of holiness and sanctity. And that should be the case for us, too. God would never ask us to do anything that was unattainable or anything that would leave us miserable or else he wouldn't be God. He wouldn't be a loving God. The grace of the sacraments gives us the power to do things that we didn't think that we could do. Marriage in particular. Marriage gives each and every married couple the grace to love as God loved. To love fully, giving of our whole selves and receiving of another in return. That is how God made us, brothers and sisters. That is how God wanted us to be happy. That's his plan for marriage, his plan for love, and his plan for our fulfillment. So I think if Christ was around with us today, and if he was asked that same question from the gospel that we heard, I think he would respond in the exact same way. In the beginning, it was not so. That's how our Lord, I think, would respond today. So today at this Mass, brothers and sisters, let us reflect on who we are, how we are created in God's image and made for authentic communion of our whole selves. And let us live lives in accordance with how God made us and see his plan as the fulfillment of who we are.